the world is full of, of things that can easily get a hold of your concentration. Yeah. Does anybody else like that? I am probably the most easily distracted person in this room. Okay, a man die. We'll have a competition later. Hey, look over there. What's that? See, I won. <laughs> I won. Do you know, I remember I, I am the type of person that, that knows that distractions can be a killer. I remember once walking along and so engrossed in a conversation. And when I say so engrossed in a conversation, I'm generally engrossed in the conversation when I'm the one speaking. So I remember speaking and I was walking along with this, this person. Her name was Channing. She was down from America. April and I were walking with her. We were heading uh, into the Westfield in Geelong. And for some reason, they had just done new paving. Uh, a new walkway. But what had happened is there was a pole that had a previous sign that used to be the line of the road, but because they had extended the path, that pole was now in the middle of the walkway. I walked straight into that pole, gave myself concussion. But it's not the first pole I've ever walked into. Di, I feel this is for you and me. See, I would have been running from the bees, but that's good. But what happened, I remember, there's been many times when I've even walked into those large poles that hold up bridges. You know how you walk under the bridge, you've got the pathway next to the pole? Because I'm so easily distracted. The theme of this year, the goal is deeper. I think it's beautiful that I started the year reading out of Colossians chapter 2, but also Jeremiah 17. Isn't it funny? Jeremiah 17 says that those that put their hope in Jesus, in the Lord, are like a tree that, that, that sends its root system deep down next to the river. It says so that it doesn't fear any season. It doesn't fear the drought. It doesn't fear the wind. It doesn't fear a pandemic. It doesn't fear why? Because it produces fruit in every season. Because its hope and its trust is in Jesus. Amen, amen. It is not. Die, I'm preaching. Shh. So what's happening is I believe in faith that there is going to be an opportunity for new fruit in this season. Deeper is the theme. Deeper into relationship with Jesus. Deeper into God's Word. But yet, in order for me to go from where I am now to a deeper relationship with Jesus comes with a whole world of distractions. See, I start out every day with outcomes. I, I sit down and say, what do I want to get done today? Through nursing, I became quite task driven. It's something that I am like. So I go, I write down two or three things at the start of a day. I have a list. I use Wonderlist. I put all our staff on Wonderlist. If I don't have Wonderlist, I chase everything. So I, at the start of the day, I go, what will I not give up on today that I will have to get done so I know that I've moved some things forward? Now, for this week, it's been a very interesting week for me because I set those outcomes and then we've had guidelines from lawyers, guidelines from the movement, guidelines from medical professionals. We had to figure out streaming. Can we give Andy a hand? Uh, Andy has been the man that runs the music team here. He facilitated the streaming ability of both campuses. Um, and um, praise the Lord, because, mate, we could be on the next few weeks in a row together. Um, but I want to encourage you, it's going to be great. Because when you're at home and you're in front of your TV, you know what you're doing? You're removing a lot of distractions. So what happens is I have to get through the things that pull me away from what I'm called to do, distractions. I believe the enemy 
One of the greatest things that He can do in your world is slow the purpose of God down and distract you from the purpose of God for your life. It can be done in many different ways. I recently, we did the 21-day fast. Uh, I did the Daniel fast. Uh, I enjoyed it at about a 1 out of 10. Um, what I did in, in the last week of it is I came off social medias. Do you know how much of a distraction the availability of technology is to us? It's amazing, isn't it? it, it it's such, uh, it, it, my, I, my finger has an automatic scroll that I didn't realise it had. That I've had to, I've deleted apps from my phone in order that it does not distract me from what the purpose and will of God is for my life, which can often be when I'm scrolling, I'm not paying attention to my wife and children. I'm not, when I'm scrolling, I'm not paying attention to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Distractions can cause and create a greater distance between the purpose of God for your life and where you are right now. So I want to remove those distractions from my life and want to have a conversation with you about assessing your own. Because we all have distractions. They're all going to come in different forms and different ways. So what I've done is I've picked three that I think are pretty generic that can affect all of us. And I want to have a little chat about them. Now, please, uh, this is a, a, a sermon that is to encourage you, not to condemn you. Speaking from the second most distracted person in the room, we have a new winner. But what we want to do is we want to make sure that we are diving deeper and destroying distractions. So if we go to the next slide, here's the first one. The distraction of good intentions. So I come from a very small family. Um, my mom came from England. My dad came from Italy. Um, they're not very large families. In fact, on Christmas Day, when my whole family used to come together, there was six total cousins that I have. That was, and, and three of them actually were my brother and sister. There was three of us and three other cousins, and that was my whole family. It was a small family, but we were as loud as 500. And um, one of the things that happens now that's emerged over the last a year or so, is we do once a month get together now with, with my older sister and her family of five, my older brother and his wife and their point five due next month, which is very exciting, and my mum and dad. So there's 14.5 of us that gather. Now what happens is when they get together, we all are uh, distracted by my daughter. It's just Kiara walking through. And uh, what happens? See, I'm distracted. I'm the best of us here. What happens is um, 14 and a half of us get together and I run around. I start cooking. I love cooking. It's one way I can love. I, I cook a lot of nights because it's something I enjoy to do. So I run around and I cook and I clean because I like to cook and then relax. But my wife can't relax unless it's clean. So what happens is we cook and then we clean so we can both relax. And then at the end of the evening when my mum leaves, you know what she says? I feel like I haven't seen you. I'm like, oh, get out of my house. I feel like, you know, how could you have worked so hard? But what happens is, could the cooking and the cleaning have distracted me from the purpose, which is actually our family getting together and knitting together in relationships and, and loving one another? Could the actual good intention of hosting them distract me from the purpose? Well, we've seen this in the Bible. This has happened before. We all know the story about Mary 
and Martha. But let me read it to you. It says this, As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. Has anybody ever had that prayer to Jesus? Give me a wave. Give me a wave. Let's all be honest. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken away from her. A good intention. Come to my house, come over. Let's hang out. I'll cook for you. Let me host you. Let me look after you. This is Martha's intention to begin with. Does everybody agree that? She's invited Jesus. Mary and Martha are the sisters of Lazarus. They, they have deep love and relationship for Jesus, deep desire to want to be with Him and deep desire to want to host Him. It's good intentions. But somewhere along the way, the, the, the intentions of Mary and Martha, they went in separate directions. You see, Martha's in the kitchen serving and getting annoyed. I've been in that situation. I can just imagine she's in the kitchen. In fact, I've seen it with my whole family and I'm like, you're here laughing. You're like, ha, 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 I'm glad you're having a good time. And you're working away. You know, I've, I've, many times I've carried this distraction. When I remember when we first started birthing as a, as a community and things really started growing in the north. And I remember working my backside off to prepare an event. And then afterwards, I was exhausted and I'm like, I want to get home. So I'm like, I'm going to pack down real quick. And I remember being cheesed off as I vacuumed and watched everybody have great community. That was the purpose. The purpose of the event was that the community could come together and love one another. And I'm vacuuming and I'm being real salty about it. Being real salty. Great. Honouring your leaders. You know, I walked past the circle of them, kind of pushed them out the way to let them know what I was doing. I'm like, oh no, you guys stay there. Stay there. I've got it covered. In my mind, I'm filthy. I'm like, where is your character? But really, I should have been thinking, where is mine? Because here is what I believe is one of the great ways to overcome the distractions of good intention. Everybody say, check your focus. Do you want to know how you know if you've got the distraction of good intentions? Your serving becomes more about you than about Jesus. More about you than about Jesus. See, Mary, she understood. What the desire of this moment was, was to be in relationship with Jesus. She got it. Relationship, understanding, sitting at the feet of God. Jesus is saying it won't be taken away from her. But Martha, however, her focus had shifted. It had changed. It had started with... I want to focus on you, Jesus. I want you to come. And then it became about, she's not helping me. 
had become more about her sister and the injustice that she was walking through rather than the purpose of serving Jesus. If you're distracted by good intentions, I would ask, where's your focus? Are you frustrated? Are you disappointed? Are you more annoyed at someone rather than you are in love with serving Jesus? It can happen anywhere. It can float through your workplace. The Bible says that we should do all things as though working for God and not for man. So when you're serving in your workplace and your boss doesn't honour you and you're frustrated at him, why should you be frustrated? You're doing it to serve God and not man. So I think in overcoming the distraction of good intentions, it can start the right way and it can float off. This is a distraction. She became distracted, the Word says, by all the detail. Rather, I would ask that you check your focus. Are you focused on the detail because you were so wanting to please Jesus and this is the way you feel to worship Him? That's great. You're on point. But if you find that your focus is shifting off Jesus and who you're serving and more onto yourself, you're suffering from this distraction. So I'd ask today that you'd ponder this question. If I am frustrated like Martha about some component in my life, I want you to ask the Lord, when I first started in this workplace or when I first started in this relationship or with my family, what was it that you initially asked me to do? And is my focus still on that? Or has it become something that I'm focusing on myself? Because I want to be like Mary. I want to focus on Jesus. I want to enjoy the moment. I want to hit the actual brief of what I was there to do. Good intentions. They can happen to any one of us. Do you know that if you fast but you don't pray, good intentions, but you miss the mark. You can read the Bible every single day. But if it doesn't change the way that you live your life, you've had good intentions, but no point. You know, practically you want to love someone and you buy them a gift, but take no care in actually knowing what they like. Good intentions. So I want to encourage you today to check your focus. Second distraction as we move through this morning is the distraction of misguided devotion. What you say yes to will define what you say no to. If you think about it, if I had up here a whole bunch of different coloured balls and my son Jai at the moment is into, does everybody remember Foursquare? It's like, and there was a king, I love it. It's back around in my household. And what happened is, I said, Jai, you've got 10 balls to choose from right here. If he went up and he picked one, effectively, the one he said yes to, by default means he said no to every other ball because he's chosen this one. You see, what you say yes to will define what you say no to. Misguided devotion. You know, towards the end of my fast, I started thinking about the correlation uh, between how much time I'm spending on social media versus how much time I'm spending with God. And I realised that the more time I spend on, on, on the, you know, looking at videos and, and connecting, it was the less time I spent with God and I was convicted. 
Was I suffering from the distraction of misguided devotion. You see, devotion being that something you desire to, to put your time to. And there's an interesting story in the Bible. It talks about one of the wisest guys in history, Solomon. But yet the Bible also describes him, well, not the Bible, people that comment on the Bible, they describe him as the wisest fool because of the beginning of what happened here says in the NLT version, Now King Solomon loved many foreign women. Oh wait, let me read this translation. I find it more fun. Listen to this one. This is God's Word, God's Word translation. King Solomon loved many foreign women in addition to Pharaoh's daughter. He loved the Hitty woman and the woman from Moab, Ammon, Edom and Siddim. It's a lot of love. They came from the nations about which the Lord had said to the people of Israel, never intermarry with them. They will surely tempt you to follow their gods. But Solomon was obsessed with their love. He had 700 wives who were princesses and 300 wives who were concubines. In his old age, his wives tempted him to follow other gods. He was no longer committed to the Lord his God as his father David had been. Solomon followed Astarte, the god of the Sidons, and Milcom, the disgusting idol of the Ammonites. So Solomon did what the Lord considered evil. He did not wholeheartedly follow the Lord as David had done. Then Solomon built an illegal worship site on the hill of east of Jerusalem in Chemosh to the disgusting idol of the Moabs. And for Malik, the disgusting God, uh, idol of the Amorites, he did these things for each of his foreign wives who burnt incest, incense, could have been there, and sacrificed to their gods. When you look at this, in the translation that I read, talked about that Solomon was obsessed with their love. To be obsessed, it meant that every, every thought, would have wandered back to them. Every desire would have revolved around them. And because of having a desire that should have been in the place of God, we know that that's idolatry. We know that leads down a road towards paganism and things that are evilly you know, considered by God. What happened? It started with a yes to one wife. It grew to 700 plus another 300. You see, his obsession led to two things that I want to talk about. It says that he did not commit to the Lord God the way his father did. And it said he did not love and serve him wholeheartedly. So when I look at it and I think, how do we assess if there's a distraction that's creeping in in our life that's misguided devotion? Does it lower your commitment to God? And does it make you not serve the Lord wholeheartedly? Because when you look at these two things, you're on a very narrow path because we know that what you say yes to will determine what you'll say no. You know, when I look at this, the challenge being that we need to understand that what starts as a small misguided devotion will grow into full-blown worship. What started with don't marry started with one. Then it grew to accepting the idols. 
Then eventually it progressed to worshipping those idols. It says that they turned his heart away from God. You need to be careful that nothing ever comes close to where God must sit in your life in order that nothing can grow that is not of him and in order that what will grow is a deeper relationship with God. A third distraction. And I think that this one's important to look at if we go to the next slide. Thanks, Tay. And Andy, if you want to come up and join me. The second best distraction. What I love about Jesus is that he was always on task. He knew exactly what he came to do. He did not let distraction get in the way from the purpose that he had come here to fulfill. But in this one, I was always, I was always challenged as I read this scripture and thought, it's, it's really interesting. It says this, After Jesus left the synagogue with James and John, they went to Simon and Andrew's home. Now Simon's mother-in-law was sick and in bed with a high fever. They told Jesus about her right away and He went into her bedside, took her by the hand and helped her sit up. Then the fever left her and she prepared a meal for them. That evening after sunset, many sick and demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. The whole town gathered at the door to watch. So Jesus healed many people who were sick with various diseases and He cast out many demons. But because the demons knew who He was, He did not allow them to speak. Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. Later, Simon and the others went out to find Him. When they found Him, they said, Everyone is looking for you. But Jesus replied, we must go on to the other towns as well and I will preach to them too. That is why I came. The second best distraction. My desire for your life is not that you do good things, but that you do the things God has purposed for you. If we look at this, He's healing the sick. He's casting out demons. People are coming from everywhere to see Him. This is a very good thing. This is a good thing. He's seeing people healed. But the next day He says, even with all this going on and people looking for Him everywhere and great demand, He says, we must go to the other towns as well. I will preach to them too. That is why I came. You see, it was a good thing, but it was not a God thing. It was a good thing, but it was not what God had called him to do. The second best distraction can be when you are doing something good, but that's not what God wants you to do. It's not the best. Because the best thing is this, Jeremiah 29, 11, my life scripture says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Their plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Their plans to give you a future and a hope. You see, God's plan is best. And I wonder if there have been people that have been distracted by what looks good, but you know deep down in your heart, it's not what God wants you to do. 
You know, for me, moving to Melbourne, was that God thing. You see, I was in staff eight years ago in a youth ministry in Geelong in the town that I'd grown up with, with my family surrounding me. It was good. Had an opportunity to move to Melbourne where I would take my wife and at the time two children. Lila was in the womb. Moved to Melbourne, a place we'd never lived before with no family around us with a job that I was not sure was secure, but I knew that it was the God thing. What I was doing was good. It's caring for people, loving people. It was not what God wanted me to do. You know, recently, there's a man that is somewhat linked to our community. Recently got diagnosed with brain cancer. And I've been strongly challenged by his faith. We know that God works all things for good, amen? We know that we can thank God in all circumstance. Does not mean we need to thank Him for all circumstance. So in His crisis of health, not for it, He is thanking God because. He said, you know, I've been living life and I've been, I've been witnessing to my daughter for years who's been a prodigal and she's not walking with God. That was second best for her and second best for me because that's my baby. He said, but because of this brain tumour and the fact that I now do not have long to live, she's come back to faith. She's now walking with Jesus and that's been the God thing. That's been the best thing. And I was blown by the fact that there are many, many things that we do that are good, but It's the God things that we should desire. It's the God purpose we should go after. It's the leading of the Holy Spirit we should listen to. Because He'll work all things for good. So the question that I ask you is, are you doing what's good or what God has called you to do? Because there's a big difference. One will be pleasant. And one will bring fulfilment. Can we stand? My prayer for you is that you would address the distractions of your life with faith. That you would not just have good intentions, but intentions focused on Jesus. That you would not have misguided devotion and focus, but rather a devotion that is fully and only for God. And from it, everything else flows. My prayer is that you don't settle for what is just good, but that you settle for God's will and only God's will.